0: This is The Shift Podcast.
1: Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, we get an inside look at one of the most important fronts on the war in Ukraine. Dr. Hannah Shalist updates us on the tensions inside the critical port city of Odessa and the ongoing battle for control of the Black Sea. Our DIY expert, Handy Andy Barrar, has the easiest way to keep ants and other pests away from your home, plus some gadget stuff about Googling yourself and how important that might be. Plus, are you okay with impromptu weddings and so much more on the shift daily podcast?
0: This is the shift podcast.
1: Are you okay with, and you can contribute 877-399-9898. That's our phone number, your calls and your texts. You can let us know
2: if you're okay with these things.
1: Are you okay with surprises?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I can't. I'm trying to remember the last big surprise I had. Actually, probably when sewage water came out of my sink last week. That was a surprise. Mm -hmm. I don't like those kinds, but happy birthday ones. Those are nice. Those are great.
0: Brandon, do you like surprises? Well, I mean, every second of the day is a surprise because I can't see the future. So Mm -hmm. it's a surprise. I don't know what's going to happen next. So yeah, I do. I like surprises. I react to them with as much excitement as I'm talking now.
1: That is a very, I know, over the top.
0: I wish you'd calm down. Sorry.
1: Uh, the, um, The conversation we had last week with Maggie Hall, the artist, and she said, I don't believe in free will, which led me to all kinds of things about free will. Is exactly what Brendan, what you just said, you don't know what's gonna happen next. In fact, uh the speaker who uh t- talks about it that we were referred to, um, he even says, I don't even know how I'm gonna finish this sentence right now. About oh, well, that. So you kinda touched on all that, took me back to that, right? Because your brain decides before it lets you know. Yeah.
0: That's it. true. Although to push back on that speaker a little bit. I would like to say I'd like to put a little bit of forethought into what I'm saying. I just don't like to just spew words out, like not know what's mm-hmm. coming up next, especially in a, yeah, I, a job like this. I absolutely agree.
1: Especially, you know, yeah, yeah, when we when we um, you know we do this show, I'd like to think that we think about it. But the the premise that he talks about is really fascinating. He says, "Well, where does the thought come from?" You, nobody knows where it comes from, which gets into this much more existential conversation about a lack of evidence is not evidence, but the, um, the the whole idea that these things just come in your brain. There it is. The unconscious. So yeah, so you're right. It's it's always a surprise. The great unconscious. Right. Where all the creativity comes from. And what is that? Right? So it's all a surprise. This is cool. I like this. Okay, so surprises, yes. I don't like boo scare stuff. Yeah. You know? Jump scares, yeah. Uh, try to try to live into the uncertainty of life. That's where most success is found, is uncertainty when you're wrestling with life. Uh, pulling on the rope of the tug of war, if you will, and trying to control things. Typically, I find things don't go right. Go with the flow, yo. Kind of idea? Well some surprises are good and some surprises are bad the best things that you can really just accept is that surprises will happen whether you like it or not the question is really how you deal with them and that that relates directly to the mayor of akaluit uh Nunavut, as he had quite a surprise this week he's now apologizing after he did something uh to a person who tried to pick a fight with him outside of a grocery store
3: and i walked over to him and i went Bam. I punched him in the chest as hard as I, I crumpled the kid. I just crumpled him. And I said
2: I leaned over and I said, "Ben, when are you going to stop playing games with God?"
1: Okay. Um Okay, so he's not a pastor, just to be clear. That's not the mayor of
2: Equalit. Yeah.
1: No. Um uh Equalit. Uh so it so um that was just the example, right? That wasn't actually him.
2: No, of course not. No, if it, okay. it, that was just a guy remarking about punching someone really hard, and which is exactly what happens in this oh, story okay. too. I was
0: going to oh, say that guy didn't was sound ben. very mayoral. Like I
1: no, think. no, I, no. Right? and he sounded. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, we also knew the guy, Ben. So uh, the mayor of Accalowit is not a pastor, nor is he that guy. But just for context of how it started. Kenny Bell got into a fight outside of the city's grocery store. According to a post on his Facebook account, Bell was approached by a man on Friday who told him, I want to fight you. I want to fight you, man. I'm just assuming that's how he sounded, because, you know, that's how guys who want to pick a fight. That's usually how they sound. I want to fight you. Absolutely. I popped him in the jaw with a left. (laughs) Violence isn't funny, but this is funny. Yeah. He, He did the stanky leg. (laughs) wobble wobble and then ran away is how the mayor's social media account describes the incident it happened super fast no idea who the guy was I've never seen him before in my life unlike our example where that guy knew Ben he went on to add that he hopes it doesn't happen to anyone else and yes something has to be done about the people just hanging around outside our stores causing these unprovoked and random attacks Hopefully we can get them the help they need. Snaky leg. I mean, I don't know how big a calu it is. But I don't think it's so big that you couldn't figure out who it was.
2: I think it's maybe thirty thousand people.
1: No, oh, is right. it that
2: big? Uh population. No, it's not. It's uh just in twenty sixteen it was just under eight thousand people. Yeah, I was gonna say four or five. I mean I think you could figure it out. He probably he probably and if they only have the one grocery store, you're going to you're going to see him again at the grocery store. I wonder if does he does he do a stanky leg again? Does he hit him with the dance move and they have a dance off cuz that's way better than a punch to the gut or mm-hmm. the face.
1: This is more of an involuntary stanky
2: leg? Yeah, which nobody likes that. Yeah. Only We're not
1: condoning violence here, but that's funny. I mean, sometimes you have to defend yourself. I suppose. I just I find it hard to believe that in a town of that many people, you can't figure out who just got punched in the face. Like, once you just ask around. I mean, if six degrees of separation can make you connect to Elton John, can't you figure it out in a Calicut who got punched in the face outside the grocery store? Well,
0: a Calicut, I doubt it even gets to six degrees. So that's what I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, is a joke. I made a joke. That was funny. Oh, six degrees.
2: Uh-huh. Oh, oh. oh God. Oh, in the summertime, maybe.
0: Yeah. Nice July day.
1: (laughs) Are you okay with impromptu weddings? Are you okay with impromptu weddings? I don't don't know really what that means.
2: Okay. Well, are you
1: talking uh, like shotgun weddings? Because the tequila was too good and you had to?
2: just get yeah just getting married like a Vegas you know Vegas chapel I know someone who did that Um, I don't I don't like it because if I was a dad and I found out that my kid got married and I wasn't there I would lose it that would be I would be more mad about that than anything so I yeah I the principle of it I guess it's kind of cute you know but you know you know
1: if you don't like the person I suppose you know I like okay so like shotgun usually means there's baby involved, um, drunken in Vegas weddings. I don't know if I could do that. I I'm, I guess I kind of like the maybe I'm just a romantic. BK, what about you? You love romance?
0: Yeah, like I say, I'm not much of a traditionalist. So, however you choose to get married, I don't really don't really have an opinion. Just do do what you want. You do you. Huh? <laughs> It just occurred to me that if you had a whole talk show,
1: it would be great. I think so. Thanks for listening to Brennan Kelly. (laughs) Uh, You do you. You do you. That's the show.
2: Uh (laughs) It's a good sign off. You could at least sign off with that.
0: I will. You do you. Well, when when they make me fill in for Shane one night, you know. (laughs) that's You do you? Yeah, you do you. You do you on the shift. (laughs) In the words of Bruno Mars,
1: the song. It's a beautiful night. We're looking for something dumb to do. Hey, baby, I think I want to marry you. Now, obviously, Bruno Mars is nowhere near the singer that I am. It's a nice idea. But would you get married just anywhere? This couple did. Oh, and please enjoy the anchor banter at the end from the TV folks. An OKC couple is going viral after a diverted flight ruined their Vegas wedding plans or did it?
2: Or did it? Or did that did is it? the question. Pam and Jeremy uh, flew from OKC to Dallas in full wedding attire when their connecting flight to Vegas got canceled. Some other passengers heard their problem and helped them get rebooked quickly on a Southwest flight. <laughs> and while on board, they met an ordained minister who offered to spontaneously marry them right there on the spot. <laughs> Everything kind of came together yeah, perfectly, it did. didn't it? It did. Uh, they even had passengers sign a makeshift guest book and also filled the cabin with toilet paper streamers. Talk about being on the wings of love, huh? Congratulations to the happy <laughs> couple there.
0: You were, on a, you were oh. on a roll today with the puns, yeah, very, buddy.
2: Very punny today. hmm
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) oh boy i like that i like the fact that they went and just sort of adapted i don't know if i i don't know if it's a very vegas wedding if you're in your wedding dress on the plane actually maybe that is a very vegas thing to do
2: Hmm. that's an interesting point i just i can't stand on airplanes i avoid getting up as much as possible so the idea that i would have to stand there for like at least 10 minutes straight would terrify me i can't do it why
1: you can't stand on an airplane.
2: Yeah, it, when it's flying, I can't. Why?
0: Because it, like it feels
2: it, weird. I feel, like it I'm, too windy? I feel like I'm floating. Is it like how a dog no, can't stand
0: weird. in a moving car? Like that type exactly.
2: Of thing. Yeah. I am the dog in the car when I'm on an airplane. You need to come for a I ride with
1: planes. me because I constantly tell my dog to sit down because she stands in the back <laughs> and she's so big that she blocks the yeah. rearview mirror. So... I don't believe either of you about dogs standing at cars or Ryan standing on airplanes, standing on a dog in an airplane. Don't stand on dogs.
2: So why, why do you think it's weird? You're not actually moving. But I mean, well, technically you, you are, are, but actually I, moving. I, you're moving very fast. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's just it's a weird sensation. And I think it's that that moment where you sit up for the first time and you kind of, I don't know, the velocity of how fast you're going you kind of feel it for a split second and then you're walking in the planes, you know, not always completely straight. It's not always level. Right. So you got to adjust your balance sometimes. And I don't know, man, I I've had some bad experiences where, uh, it's just uncomfortable. Like I, I hate going to the bathroom on a plane. If I hold it, I, if I can hold it, I will.
1: Really? Wait, yeah. just to be clear, you're not confusing a boat
2: and a plane. Are you? <laughs> Planes are the boat of the sky, Shane. Oh, God. (laughs) No, I'm not confusing it, but a boat would be similar. But the thing with the boat is that if I fell off, at least I could go swimming.
1: If you fell out of a plane, you could still go swimming.
2: (laughs) Just would experience it much differently. Yeah. Might have a headache.
1: Okay. Yeah. Anyway, in response to this whole get married uh, on an airplane story, long before Ryan's weird I can't walk on an airplane story, uh, Southwest Airlines posted this on Twitter along with a whole explanation of the event. Congrats to the newlyweds on a memorial, memorable f- uh, in-flight wedding. Neither our employees nor passengers are likely to ever forget. We can't wait to welcome you back on board the Love Airline. Uh, if they really cared, they would have been like, here's a free honeymoon ticket. Yeah. It's like you can't even stand it. Like it feels weird to stand on an
2: airplane. Yeah,
1: that is the weird. strangest thing I've heard it feels in so long.
4: Weird to me,
2: man. I can't do it. I hate the feeling. I don't know. I I really like once hope you I'm take not alone off,
1: I think you're very alone in this. And I think that when you once you take off, you're like you you're velocitized. It feels good. It's just, just it's normal. So when you pick like up, when you pick up your free Seven Up drink that you're drinking. Do you have a hard time ginger like with it not flying ginger ale, not flying into your mouth because it's so much G-forces?
2: It's the G. It, it is. The, it's the G's and the B's. Have you ever it's tried? The G's. You say that.
1: Oh, come on. You say that. You say that like you can feel the G's. Have you ever tried to like throw a salted almond for free or pretzel in the air and catch it and have it fly to the back of the plane because you're going so fast? <laughs>
2: No, I know. Obviously, that's not how that works. It's just, maybe it's maybe you're right. Maybe it's a complete subconscious thing. But we, at least look, I love flying, but I, I just I take the whole "please stay in your seats" with the seatbelt sign and all that. I take that very seriously. Very. You do seriously. like rules. It's it's true. I like. To, yeah, maybe I watched too much Mayday as a kid or something. But yeah, no, I just <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just I just don't like standing on planes, man. I don't know. So weirdest thing. I have
1: a sneaking suspicion that a little hypnosis would reveal this has nothing to do with standing on airplanes.
0: I was going to a, a couch and a, a, a psychologist, like a Freudian psychologist here, like an old Austrian mm-hmm. guy to figure this out.
2: Ooh, maybe it goes back to the school bus, walking on the school bus, because that's a similar feeling of walking on the bus. No, it's not and really. I hated the school bus as a kid. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not...
0: it. Well, so you're not, well, you're not supposed to walk on a bus. Here. You're supposed to sit. It's yeah. dangerous. Yeah, when you're don't a want. Kid, There's no yeah. flight attendants on a bus.
2: I don't know, man. They don't put seatbelts on the school buses, so it has to be safe. Right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You ever hit a bump on a road when you're at the back of the bus and hit your head That's on the, the racks? Best.
2: Yeah. It's the, the best. best. Well, I'm short, okay. so I never hit my head. I just went flying. I love it. Uh, if you're just joining us, this conversation
1: did go from a wedding in an airplane to hitting your head on the roof of a school bus, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks for thanks for listening to the shift. Um, okay. All right. I, I I don't know. Um going to get married in Vegas though, those last unless you're the kind of couple that loves Vegas, then I think that's a great idea. But I don't know. Maybe Ryan's just afraid of machinery. That could be.
2: No, I I, li- I like machines.
1: Y'all need to learn the theory of relativity, says Jasper.
2: Yeah, Albert Einstein's on my side. Maybe not. Maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't I'm
1: I'm assuming that Jasper is kind of on the same page as Brennan and I <laughs> on that. One. I know
2: i know this is a uh, uh, you know what i'm getting on a plane just and i'm gonna like record myself walking and i'm just gonna take note of it and see how it works when i fly you know over, you and i i'm gonna do it
1: well you know you know you know i talked about going to ottawa here this spring trying to get there yep um yep. we are we now more than ever are gonna make that happen because I want to sit next to you <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> and post it at I want to yeah. see this. I'd be like, "Right, stand up. <laughs> Quick. Do it. I want to see you do it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's going to be so funny. My God. Oh, it's good stuff. Okay. Are you okay with turkeys?
2: Uh, yeah. I... I like turkey. I like turkey deli meat a lot, but I don't love, you know, like a big giant rogue cooked turkey as much as most people. But I'm okay with really? it. Really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Brennan? Yeah, I think they're pretty cool looking. They're mean.
1: Are they? I've never met one oh, personally. They're mean. They are mean. We love to gobble up turkeys. I love the smell of a oven baked turkey. It seems one turkey is out for revenge, though, with this story. Let's start the story with something very putty today, Bob. And an angry bird is running a foul, <laughs> forgive me, in Washington, D.C. Oh. Okay. <laughs> the angry bird? I'll give him that one. Very good. Yeah. Foul. Mm. Thank you very much, NBC Washington. Back to you, Bob. All right, let's uh, get into the story about the terrifying turkey. Just riding along the path, this gigantic turkey just kind of like jumps up towards my face to kind of like almost clog me in the face. So kind of knocked me off my bike. Um, And then it it proceeded to chase me around for like five minutes. There have been multiple sightings of wild turkeys along
0: the trail dating back to November. There's actually a pretty healthy turkey population in in D.C. and the surrounding areas. Um, There's at least 100, maybe even two in the district. We just never see them. Dan Rausch with the D.C. Department of Environment believes
1: turkey that has been reported interacting with people
0: is the same turkey. So I've been out there looking for it and I've been out there using um, different turkey calls, calls with males or females trying to attract it in in order to uh, catch that bird. This is a male, so it's a pretty large turkey and when people see it, it will drop its wings, it will puff up to display. Uh, if this turkey approaches you, I try to, would try to back up and move away. It is a big bird. They do have spurs. They, they can run and they can fly. Day knows just how fast they are.
1: After the turkey went at him, it went after This woman, I put the phone down and I found like the biggest twig I could find. And I started whacking this bird like, I whacked him like twice, feathers flew everywhere. He kind of like stepped off back into the brush. Daddy says he and the woman have been asked repeatedly why they didn't just run away. They can be very aggressive, they're very fast, and you just never been attacked by a turkey before. Okay, Uh, I. There might be 100 turkeys or even 200. It's a big difference when you double the number. Male turkeys fiercely guard their territories and may also be protecting nests in the spring. They also can scratch and bruise people, puncture skin with their beaks and their claws. I think beak is such a funny word. I don't know why. That makes me laugh. Uh, One victim of the DC bird reported in February uh, on a local blog a wild turkey that attacked me on the Anacosta Trail last night. I ended up in urgent care with puncture wounds on my legs, and I had to get a tetanus shot and antibiotics. It was terrifying. The turkey is still on the loose. Nothing a little bowl of gravy won't fix, and a little uh, WKRP.
4: Land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter It's uh, a dark object uh, <laughs> Perhaps a skydiver Plumbing to into the earth from only 2,000 feet into the air <laughs> Second to the third No parachutes yet Those
0: oh, can't be skydivers I can't tell just yet what they are but Oh my god, they're talking! Oh, Johnny, can you get this? Oh, they're crashing to the earth right in front of my
4: no, the running around, pushing each other. Oh my goodness! Oh, the humanity! the oh, are running about. Uh, the turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet
1: cement. Ah, <laughs> uh, the world-famous turkey drop. Ah, uh, WKRP. It's a beautiful thing.
0: This is the Shift Podcast.
1: Let's go to Odessa, Ukraine. Hannah Shalist uh, joins us. Hannah, can you hear me okay?
3: Yes, good morning. I can hear you well.
1: Uh, good morning to you. Um, let's start the day as one of the things I've appreciated, if it's okay, uh, and if it's you know safe to do so at the moment. Um, I love how you describe spring in Odessa. Um, I've learned a lot about your city from you and other people. Um, what, is, what does spring look like in Odessa this morning? Yeah.
3: Um quite sunny. It's finally sunny here and uh, the city is already green so you definitely have this uh, feeling. But at the same time, you know, we've just been in this 31-hour curfew, so at least yesterday it looked completely surrealistic because usually with this weather you have uh, all people around uh, parks full of people, cafes full of people near the seaside, all people are walking. And yesterday you could see only few people with the dogs uh, who are running for a few minutes outside because they are loud and uh, are completely empty streets.
1: now the reason why odessa has a curfew is because of explosions over the course of the weekend this weekend hannah can you help us understand what happened
3: Uh, With the curfew, it's a little bit more difficult. Let's start from the uh, explosions. Explosions definitely happened uh, and uh, uh, unfortunately not during the week. Uh, They've been uh, shelling against the city. It's been deterioration of situation in Transnistria. And uh, yesterday we had several very heavy shelling against the city with the few casualties. But the Curfew is more connected with a different reason. Eight years ago, in Odessa, being very serious demonstrations, exactly on the 2nd of May, as a result of which 48 people are uh, being killed, uh, most of uh, whom in the very severe fire, and uh, there is still investigation happening. But the fact uh, everything started from the uh, pro-Maidan and anti-Maidan, pro-European and uh, pro-Russian demonstrations against each other. At that time. Um, Ukraine and uh, Ukraine won. At that time, the provocations were not successful, but as I said, it is a big tragedy. doesn't matter what is your political views, but for all citizens in Odessa, that is a day of tragedy. But the problem is that each year there are some provocations on this day. And sometimes it is possible to do in the uh, more negotiable way, let's say, between the different political groups, but uh, uh, this year uh, it's been important because there were saboteurs group Port who've been uh, going to organize some provocations. With with weapons on these days that's why the local authorities decided to introduce a full curfew uh, for 41 uh, 31 hours
1: that's interesting the uh so normally there isn't a curfew on this weekend but because it was the tragedy was caused by you know uh European versus Russian you know political points in the very beginning this just didn't seem like the time to risk it as, am I understanding correctly
3: uh yes I uh, just these 12 people being arrested to services in odessa uh, as uh, they've been the organized group preparing some provocations in the city and mm. uh, because we didn't know what is exactly number of those uh, who've been planning these and these people had weapons so that's definitely been much safer just to organize uh, to announce a curfew so not to have a mass people on streets
1: wow uh, i did not know that i continue to learn more things from you hannah this is absolutely amazing uh, thank you for sharing that. Okay, so over the course of the weekend, this weekend, uh, shelling and uh, rockets and whatnot landing in and around Odessa. Uh, we've started to see this a little bit more and a little bit more. If you remember a few weeks ago, I was hesitant to bring it up, but we did talk about the possibility that Russia wanted to get the whole coastline along the Black Sea, including Odessa, and connect uh, next door with Moldova and how that could impact what the future of war against Ukraine looks like. Uh, I don't want to sound righteous because this is not something I wanted to be right about. But more and more, we're starting to hear uh, commentators on Western news talk about this as a possibility. Uh, tell us, help us understand what the weekend looked like for you in Edessa, please. And um, what the conversation is, has it shifted uh, in and around what the intention is for that Black Sea?
3: Yeah, definitely. We're also following very attentively all these uh, um, conversations about Transnistria and what is happening there, because it is just 50 kilometers uh, from us, and we have a lot of connections. What is interesting that that, to start from Transnistria, there have been provocations uh, in this region. During this week, that has been uh, uh, one explosion that's been an attempt to uh, shoot against the building of the security services, and what is interesting that many locals started to evacuate, including to Ukraine. So even the separatist region, um, uh, pro-Russian separatist region, but uh, people preferred to evacuate either to Moldova or to uh, Ukraine. And it was even said that we feel safer with the protection of Ukrainian armed forces than at the territory of our Roman region because we don't know what to expect. But I mm-hmm. talked with my contacts uh, um, in the region in Moldova, uh, with the different journalists as well they said that it looks that it is more in the information space than on the ground, that Russian forces, uh, Russian military who are illegally stationed at this territory, they may be eager for some provocations, because that is in their interest. But the local authorities, even being pro-Russian, but they are not so loyal in terms of any type of the military operation. They don't want war. Even more, they managed to meet with the Moldovan authorities to discuss the possible uh, variants to, uh, like, to, to, to minimize any type of the threat. And that's that gives certain hope. Definitely, we are very attentive uh, to what is happening, but that is. But against Odessa, uh, unfortunately, there were several heavy shellings um, during the last few days. That's been attack against the airport, and it's been a disaster for us, because we just opened the new tarmac uh, um, in autumn, and we've been waiting for it for five years. And uh, uh, now it is destroyed. Uh, that's also been shelling against the uh, old military airport, and uh, that's been yesterday shelling against the civilian uh, um, uh, residential building. So, 15 years old boy been killed. The 17 years old girl is in the hospital. And uh, the next building to it was the church. By the way, of the Moscow Patriarchy. And it's appeared now without roof and with a fire at its territory. We are now waiting for morning news to see um, the, the real result, I mean, of the, the destruction, how heavy um, it is. So uh, uh, th- that is a reality, like the uh, sirens and the uh, um, attempts to shell Odessa is happening. One of the reasons can be that we are also not allowing Russians to control uh, um, completely the sea, even though they're blocking the ports. Uh, but uh, yesterday, Ukrainian armed forces uh, using Bayraktar, this famous uh, um, military drone, managed yeah. to shoot two Russian boats near the Snake Island.
1: Yeah, I heard that news. Um, I was going to ask you that next. You're reading my mind. Um, the, uh, I mean, as a Ukrainian, that I don't want to say you're celebrating because it's war, but at the same time. I mean, there's probably quite the celebration. Those are fast boats. They're very maneuverable maneuverable boats. Uh, they can hold, you know, anywhere between you know five to twenty people. I read, and um, you know, so they can move quite a few people in and around quickly to small spaces. So they're an important get for those drones. Uh, it certainly speaks to the maneuverability of the drones to be able to get such a fast moving and tight turning target. So, I. This is one of those things, Hannah, I don't know how to say it properly, but, I mean, do you, do Ukrainians celebrate that, I would imagine? I know I did, I'll admit um, I did.
3: Yeah, let's say they're too small to make a celebration, that is not a Moscow uh, um, ship, uh, but at the same time, definitely that is important because... First of all, they've been doing the reconnaissance near the Danube River and that is very important uh, place uh, because that is the place where three countries, Ukraine, Moldova and Romania are coming together in one point point. Uh, plus it is the only very small, but it is still a small port that Odessa, is still ha- uh, Odessa region still has functioning and as these two uh, boats came very close for reconnaissance, it seems like they've been preparing certain uh, operation over there so targeting even such a small Uh, boats is important uh, for for what is happening and also to demonstrate that Russians are not uh, completely free in the Northern Black Sea, that they're not completely controlling it as they would like to uh, pretend.
1: Does the Danube River, is that where uh, it's hard to tell on the map? Is that so that's where Romania meets the Black Sea and that's where uh, Ukraine Meets the river, and then you have to go up the river to get to Moldova. Do I understand that border properly?
3: Yes, more or less. It is the uh, because. Uh the fact we have one town where uh, all three countries have come together and it is exactly on the Danube, it is Uh but uh, we are even uh, joking that Moldova is the maritime power because they have 400 meters of port in this Djurjuleste and that, that is their <laughs> real port. Uh, but that is, like, I mean, partially jokes, but important place to understand strategically that, that uh, um, a few kilometers of the entering of the Danube, and Danube is the uh, um, navigatable river, so it's quite a big and serious river. It's been very important before the Balkans war for the trade in Europe. Unfortunately, for many years, it was not so because uh, during the Balkans war, several bridges um, been uh, uh, collapsed. And uh, that's why the navigation stopped. And just now, we see the increase of navigation over there. So that is still the additional entrance to the Black Sea, not only Bosphorus um, in Turkey. And uh, also, it is very important for the local economy of all three uh, um, uh, countries.
1: Yeah, because I mean, that would be access to water for you guys, which would be so incredibly important for crops and all those products. I would imagine if you're not going to have access to here, um uh or uh, hopefully that will be the case But Mariupol in particular. I get that. Can we continue with geography? Because I'm super curious here. When you talk about rockets hitting the Odessa airport, the Odessa airport, um, uh, I had read that the, there is a submarine in somewhere in the Black Sea that's firing cruise missiles Um Russian cruise missiles at Ukraine. And I mean, that that airport is tucked in sort of kind of in the middle of the city there. It's not like it's far off. That must be daunting to the folks who live in Odessa. Uh,
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Both airports are like uh, if we speak about the main international airport of Odessa, it is uh, uh, in the city range, it is, you can say that it is in the suburb, but that is really interesting because, for example, for my house in the downtown, to drive there in the morning, it will take me 15 minutes. So yeah. it is uh, twice uh, shorter for me to drive there from the downtown than to drive to one of the sleeping districts, as we call it. So yeah. uh, it's it's definitely you can uh, see some of the airplanes, and it's it's very close and very interesting destination where it is. Uh, that military airdrome, you know, it's it's not been considered as the airport. It's it's not been used that much as an airport. It's been more used as the military repairment um, uh, place for the uh, uh, aircraft and also definitely they had a small term mark uh, but mostly for the either very small uh, Uh, airplanes or for the helicopters when they need it. And that place is definitely like when it's been constructed many years ago, it's been at the suburbs, but because the city been growing, it's appeared that there are a lot of of the uh, multi-store buildings just around it. That's why uh, when Russians are trying to target it, and they already tried twice to target that uh, military airdrome, um, they, they, they can't get there, but they are targeting the civilian buildings that are around.
1: All right. Uh, Hannah Shalist is in Odessa, Ukraine, and uh, there's obviously Mariupol as being just such a tragedy. Um, a few people did manage to get out with the help of the United Nations, the Red Cross, but there's still so many people uh, that have been there uh, as well. Uh, of course, there's just conversation in general about attacks. Uh, about supplies coming in, there's the international promise of more,, uh, but I'm assuming not enough. And then there's the story of the ghost of Kiev, um the the um the pilot of the legend being true or not true. I mean, I, I guess I wanted to open all of those up to you. I mean, the 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 ghost of Kiev to me is is uh, is such an amazing story because it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's unifying for the spirit of Ukraine. Um, I just thought I'd open it up here like we do, uh, Hannah, and, um, and what's left that Canadians need to know.
3: Um, yeah, first of all, if we, you speak about the uh, uh, Mariupol, that is still a big story for us. Uh, yeah, that's, what is happening, just so you know, uh, Hannah, don't, don't worry sorry. about your dog. Yes.
1: No, you don't have to worry about the Somebody dog. Somebody
3: decided to wake up,
1: you know, yeah, and he's like, okay. I could wake that, up hernia. You know
3: <laughs> it reminds us that
1: uh, that it's real life. I think that's fantastic. So uh, don't worry about the dog. That's uh, yeah, real life stuff. My dog so... also
3: decided to say good morning to you. Uh <laughs> well, thank so... you. Uh, if we speak about Mariupol, uh, that, that's definitely something uh, uh, tremendous of what is happening. Uh, there's been for almost a month quite a number of uh, civilians there, almost 2,000 as we know, and uh, military. But I, I would unite by the word military all types of the forces because there are people from police, uh, from the National Guard, from the armed forces. It is a mix of those who are still um, in the city, from them we knew that approximately 400 been being heavy wounded, and uh, they've been keeping their protection and defense for almost a month, uh, or even more, because some people spent there almost two months uh, in the basements of this uh, plant. And these basements been uh, prepared for 12,000 uh, people in the Soviet Union times, and they've been prepared uh, for that serious attack as the nuclear attack. So you can imagine that, uh, that that's tremendous uh, construction under, um, uh, under land. But at the same time, uh, uh, definitely they lacked everything. So the last weeks it's been very very difficult. Uh, we tried to negotiate the evacuation of civilians for uh, for the months. The uh, French president proposed his uh, support. The Greek, the Turkish Turks proposed to bring the sheep. Others proposed by cars, but Russians never allowed and uh, only now the united nations managed to negotiate and uh, on sunday we have their um, first group that left it's 100 people so imagine from uh, more than two thousand only 100 people of kids and women uh the problem is that but uh, yesterday 11 pm they still haven't reached the final destination the city of Zaporizhia. usually the road between mariupol and Zaporozhia it is approximately three hours Okay, four if uh, there are some difficulties on the road. But mm-hmm. uh, it's already 24 hours and these people didn't reach the destinations. Uh, mm-hmm. There are plenty of blog posts. Also, Russians tried to uh, navigate these bus, not to Ukrainian controlled territory, but to Russian controlled territory. So we are waiting morning and we are with the hope that more like these bus will arrive to the final destination. And yesterday they've been additional buses coming to Mariupol to bring people from there but uh, also a little bit postponed so it, it is all in the process we're all waiting for the news of what is happening um, over mm-hmm. there and okay. uh, how it will be that's still a question
1: yeah well mm-hmm. let's hope that one um, uh, comes with good news and you can share it with us and I'll pass it on to everybody here as you hear from it uh, here uh, Hannah Odessa PhD is in Odessa Uh, information and clarity is what Hannah does. And uh, Hannah, you are wonderful. Before you go, can you tell us your dog's name since we've been introduced to your dog? (laughs) Benjamin. Benjamin. There we go. Hannah and Benjamin joining us here on The Shift. Stay safe, my friend. I look forward to connecting soon.
3: Thank you for the invitation.
0: This is The Shift Podcast.
1: Last week here on the shift we had a conversation about all kinds of pests and things what it did was it inspired a bunch of questions a ton of email and a ask of me to talk about ants so when you talk about ants you call uncle Andy <laughs> AndyAndyMedia.com for Andy Barrar. Okay, Andy, what do you call in your family? Because all families with different family lineage and all those things, some of them have different names for the aunts and the uncles in their family. Um, so what is an uncle in your family?
4: Well, it depends. We it, we have different names for your, uh, if it's your older uncle, like your your brother's older brother, or if it's your brother's younger brother. So we call it Daya and Chacha. Chacha is your younger Your 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 dad's younger brother.
1: Okay, so I learned a little bit about that because my sister married a Filipino uh, guy, and his family does the uh, Tito and Tita. Um, So that's like the kind of like the the elders, like the family friends that are close, like uncle. But the Tio and Tia, I believe, is the proper way for the proper aunts and uncles. You know, like the close family ones, and then with my love affair for Hawaii, uncle and auntie in in Hawaii is for any elder, not just for the family related ones. It's fascinating. So, That's what would I call I you then? Uncle Andy works, I suppose.
4: You can you can call me whatever you want, Shane. We're we're at that level now. You can call <laughs> I think me. I do you call want. you whatever I want, actually. And you do. How are you? How you doing? How are things good? I'm I'm good. I'm good, man. last week. We were talking about critters and, and bugs and got so many emails. And we just had to continue this conversation because we just ran out of time. And uh, mm-hmm. I know that you mentioned you wanted to talk about something. And it was funny after I was like, okay. And then I forgot. But thankfully, you have a podcast as well. So I went back and <laughs> listened to, to it. <laughs> and I was like, it was ants. That's what we were good at. We were going to talk yep. about how to get rid of ants. And this is a really important one because it really doesn't matter where you live. At some point in time, you're going to see ants in your house. And um, there's a reason why they come indoors, especially around the summertime, is they're really seeking food and water. And that's, you know, when it gets dry outside, they, they start to go inside. And the thing about ants is it only takes one ant to enter your house and they'll lay a trail uh, of what's called the scented pherom- pheromones. And that creates a little trail of their path uh, for the rest of the ants to then come in. So really, what you really want to do is find natural repellents that can break those trails to prevent those all those ants from coming inside your house. Now, the first thing you really want to do is just keep your house clean. Anything that's on the ground, especially in your kitchen, like little food bits, um, that's going to attract them and also damp any kind of damp spots because we mentioned they, they want to seek water. But one thing that I don't think a lot of people realize can um, get rid of ants is lemons. Citrus fruits like lemons, limes, and oranges are a great natural ant repellent because lemons are toxic to certain types of fungi that the ants feed on. So if you place a lemon peel or lemon juice around your home, it'll cause the ants to stay clear of that area. And you can yeah, even I- use scented cleaners, scented uh, citrus fruit cleaners that uh, can then um, prevent ants from coming into a a certain area. So that's a pretty good one.
1: I remember when I was a kid, my first experience with sort of an ant invasion was when we lived in Port Alberni, and it was, of course, that sort of pantry-style cupboard. And it's that cupboard that constantly, like, you put the toaster in there so you get the crumbs that fall on the counter, and you clean them up every now and then, right? Like, you sweep them. It's not like every day you vacuum out the cupboard. And you sweep them up into your hand or whatever, but some fall into the little nooks and crannies. You probably got the bag of sugar in there, maybe some other baking goods that might just leak just a little bit, some salt in there, maybe the coffee grounds. You know, so those are all the really tiny little uh, crummy bits that that kind of lie around, and those are, as far as I always understood, sort of heaven for you know yep. the ant critters.
4: Yeah. You know, what really bugs me. It's like you're used to seeing ants like coming on the ground. They'll run around. But when they get on the walls, because you got like a nice wall and you just see these ants crawling. It it just drives people crazy. But here's a here's one that uh, a little trick that a lot of people might not know. If you see a lot of ants and you want to break that that trail, that pheromone trail, you could use talcum powder, baby powder believe it or not. And you sprinkle Hmm. that in that area of where that trail is and that breaks that trail. And also the powder gets absorbed to their skin and it clogs up their airways, which pretty much kills them off for good. Uh, Very similar to baby powder is also glass cleaner. That also breaks that pheromone trail. And you can even dilute it with a little bit of liquid soap, put in some water and spray that if you want to dilute it, or you can just use the glass cleaner itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and peppermint oil as well is another thing that you could use. So a lot of different safe ways to, to get rid of ants. This one thing though, Shane, that I, I think I got it from Canadian tires, these little pucks and you put them in the corners of the bottom of like your house and they got these little entryways and I find those to be pretty good. Um, I'm not sure what's inside them, but mm-hmm. the ants that that's a good way. Cause you don't really see the ants. They go inside those pucks yeah. and I think they die.
1: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and that's great. Little ant traps or whatever they're called. Um, I've seen those. They're like a little tin can looking tiny little yes. thing. Um, the, the way I just, and you just inspired me to think back to last week and why we started talking about this, that I have ants in my front yard. They are next to, of course, some cedar chip garden type things, which is heaven for them. Um, and right next to a stone pathway. So it's, it's kind of sandy underneath there because all the sand from the stone pathway right and so we had asked the question about how do I do this in a way where my dog can still go out there and I don't have to worry about the like my like this my dog's nose is so big and so powerful like she is like super sniffer like her nose is as big as your face already. And um, and so I worry about her going in there and, and sniffing about any chemicals that be on there. So is there any way that we can get in on that? Um, you know, because I think you had mentioned boiling water last week. I mean, what do we do with the ants if we want them to to, to just how about we just go away?
4: Well, it's really hard when you're talking about outside because there's ants everywhere. Um, what you really want to do is just prevent them from getting inside your house. But you, I don't know if you ever see this video. It was actually a couple of weeks ago. I saw it on Twitter. This guy was trying to get rid of an ant hole. And I can't remember what he put in it, but the hole, his whole backyard exploded. And um, so you you see all these like creative things that uh, people are trying to get rid of ants, but Essentially, you know, they're, they're going to be outside, but you really just want to keep them outside and not have them come inside. And peppermint oil is really good because it's safe to use around the kids and it makes your house smell good, too. So that's a, another little trick. And you just want to kind of stay away from the chemicals if, if you can, especially when you're indoors and you have kids or, or pets like you, your case. Well,
1: yeah. And you know what? I mean, hey, if chemicals, like if it's the ant hill is so bad, like it is like we're going to, we have a conversation about ants coming up here shortly that is going to blow your mind about how big these networks of ants can get. Uh, but if the hill is literally over, like you can't walk in your yard without having ants on your legs, which is my concern right now is that like, I can't sit on my front stoop uh, within a minute or two, you got to you're swatting ants off your feet because they're climbing. They start climbing all over you. Right. So, um, you know, if it's safe to do so and that's the only way, then the pesticides or whatever. Sure. But there's got to be ways that we can do that. Um, I have heard of things, you know, like um, some of the things you talked about, uh, mixtures of like peppermint oils and citrus waters and boiling waters and all those things that can be incredibly helpful with that. Um, but there's got to be ways to do it. And um you know, I mean they're fascinating little creatures though.
4: Oh, the the colonies, like if you ever watch like documentaries on ants and you see how they communicate, it's just an amazing it's like a little society that they got and the way that they can communicate with each other is is absolutely fascinating. But we just still don't want them inside our homes. And that's why mm-hmm. again, the number one thing is as long as you keep your home clean and you try to prevent food from being around, that's really the safest thing that you can do to prevent your ants from getting in but once they get in then you're going to have to deal with them and these are just some of the recommendations that you can do love it boiling water vinegar with
1: boiling water vinegar with water and liquid soap very similar to the things that andy's talking about in regards to uh keeping them out of your house uh that'll actually slow down the construction that goes on underground uh with those uh, uh little buggers and what they what they like to do okay so let's talk about the fuzzy big ones um the trash pandas and uh, yes. some other ones, we just uh, quickly here touch on those ones because you had two other topics that you want to talk about.
4: Yeah, I had an a email from a listener named Ken, and he's been trying to get rid of raccoons that go on the side of his house in West Vancouver. And he's got this gravel area and they poop there all the time. And so he has to go in there with gloves and try to clean it all. And so one idea that he had is, and you could see this on the shiftheads.ca, I actually posted his pictures in a little video that I made. Or you can go to Handy Andy Media as well to find this video. But what he did is he took, went to the dollar store, went to Dollarama and got these little um, these uh, solar panel lights. And they have this little plastic thing in the middle. And he drilled holes in that plastic little enclosure, put cotton balls in there, then sprayed peppermint oil all over them. And then he put them around that, that area. And sure enough, they, they were going away, but they just went a little bit farther and then they pooped there. So what he's gonna do is make a whole line of these lights. With this peppermint cotton balls inside there with the holes to allow it to breathe. And the reason he's doing that is he used to spray it, but it didn't work because it would rain and then the smell would go away. So I thought this was really a, an ingenious, clever way of, of trying to prevent raccoons. So if you live in an area where you do have a raccoon problem, this is a good solution. You just go ahead on shiftheads.ca or HandyAndyMedia to see that video. And there was another guy, he had the issue of the Schaefer beetles that were in his lawn and I showed the before and after you should see before he had this most beautiful lawn chain. And then that mm-hmm. Schaefer beetle went into his lawn. I saw that completely picture. destroyed it. I felt so bad for him. And, and, and it's very, very tough to, to get. So people in British Columbia understand this because this infestation happened at around 2001. It came from Europe in some, they think in some turf, And it's just been spreading like wildfire over here, damaging so many people's lawns. So you got to go to shiftheads.ca to check that out as well. That before after it's uh, quite quite the stark contrast all from this little tiny grub that sits underneath inside the grass. Okay, gadgets. Andy is a
1: nerd when it comes to the gadgets and the geekery. So let's touch on this Google conversation. Sometimes your personal information ends up online. That's problematic. How do you get it off, Andy?
4: Yeah, well, the first thing, and Shane, I've I've always been advocating this for a lot of people, but uh, I notice people don't do this, so I'm hoping they're going to do this right after listening to us talk about this. But you have to Google your name every once in a while, and I don't think a lot of people realize how important that is. Just, and you don't want to do it from your device either, because typically when you Google your name with Google, you're signed into your Google account, and what you see is very different what other people see. So. If you can, go into incognito mode or use someone else's uh, phone or laptop. Google your name and see what comes up. Now, sometimes, depending on what Google is searching and scrubbing off the internet, some of your personal information might be out there. It could be your phone number. It could be your email, any other kind of private details. It could even be some type of images that get get scraped from like LinkedIn or or whatnot. Well, Google is going to allow you now to, to... Basically, apply to have some of that stuff removed, and the reason they're doing this is to prevent identity theft and other issues um, of, of online identity theft that that happens online. So there, you have to, you can't just automatically have it done for you, but you can now apply and you can set it up and you can check on Google how to do this. But things that anything like your your phone number, um, credit card information, maybe a image of your signature, all of these things that could. Pose that kind of a threat, now you're able to finally make an application to get it off. One thing you can't do if you've been very naughty and say you're in the news for all the wrong reasons and your name comes up in a news story, you're not going to be able to remove that because Google, when they look at the request, they have to see what is for the public good and what is for your privacy, and they'll weigh that and make that decision. So if it is in the public good to have that information out, say it's in a news story, they're going to keep it, but you do have that ability now to get some of your personal information scrubbed from the search. And that's the an important thing. It's just the search. That doesn't mean that it doesn't still live on some website, but at least when people Google your name, it's not going to come out there. And I think that's really important. But for everyone listening, please Google your name. It is so, so important to do, especially in this digital age that we live in.
1: Um, I Want to Google mine? See if you find me?
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, you I've googled you. You you come up all over the place. you're you're you're, <laughs> you're kind of a big deal on the internet, Shane.
1: I don't think so. I just uh but I can't escape anything like you. I I I used to think it was cool, right? Cuz then you come up a little bit, the first couple of posts and now you get like 10 pages deep and you're like,
4: oh, come on.
1: But then every now and then it's fun. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's my video of my car reviews I did 15 years ago, 10 years ago. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it um,
4: is, is kind of fun to, to see what comes up when you do that. Or if you go and search on images, too, to see what pictures of ooh, you live on the Internet. That's another interesting thing that everyone should do danger
1: danger you learned that one earlier in your radio career when the internet became popular cuz when i started radio it wasn't um it wasn't internet uh, internet driven right and you learned very quickly to not put yourself in compromising positions because photos Uh, Photos move quickly. Okay. Also here in your uh, list of things to chat about, you did want to get into um, a conversation a little bit deeper so we could talk about bossware. Tattleware is another name for bossware. Bosses, the guy or the gal who owns the computer you're working on, they can watch you every single key you stroke.
4: Yeah. And this is one of the most untold stories of the COVID pandemic because... We all made that shift to working from home. And so then, you know, people started to realize that after two years of COVID, you know, this is going to be here to stay in the future. And so all of these companies started to develop these community or computer monitoring softwares that help employers to see how productive you are at home. But the way they're doing this is by, by measuring your keystrokes. They're looking at how many emails and messages that you send. They could even look at your browser history. But the thing is, Shane, a lot of people that are working from home may not even know what kind of tools their employer are actually using to, to assess their, their productivity. And a lot of them use AI now, and they try to predict and and calculate all of the different things you're doing online while you're working from home to give you a productivity score. And the the big issue is as we move towards this type of almost like treating humans like robots and what your output is, I, I I'm... I'm kind of weary about this because there's a lot of things that we do in our jobs that may not get, you know, calculated or, or, or seen in these kind of metrics. But you're still being evaluated it on. And to top it off, most people don't even know they're being tracked like this. So I think it's a it's a worthy discussion to have with your employer about how, you know, how you're being tracked if you're working from home.
1: The question for me is always if it's a computer on your network, how much is it watching your network? Because if it's your laptop from work and you just use it for work, like I have a work laptop sitting here, uh, but I do most of this just off my personal computer because the screen's bigger. And so are they watching my network or are they only watching the computer? So it's important to ask and don't get complacent and use your work computer to do your recreational surfing, if you will. Um, It's fascinating and, and absolutely worth note, uh, noting. HandyAndyMedia.com, if you want to uh, check it out, go to the website and follow the YouTube page and so much more, shiftheads.ca, to see the latest posted in the group by Andy himself. Thanks, buddy. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast.
1: Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.